You're listening to Rally DNA. everyone and welcome to episode nine of the rally dna podcast uh this week myself and killian are fortunate enough to have a fantastic guest in the form of lewis the creator of the wonderful wrc wings website uh and lewis is going to talk us through some of the key changes in the aerodynamic regulations this year uh compared to last and how the each of the teams is setting about recapturing some of the lost aerodynamic performance from last year Welcome along, Lewis. Hello, thank you very much for, for your, your invitation. Really honored to be part of, of your podcast and happy to, to participate, really. Thank you very thank much, you. mate. So, but before we get into the, the, the murky waters of uh, aerodynamic devices and rally cars, mm-hmm. could you tell us a little bit about WRC Wings itself and what, what led you to start up this project and, and uh, what your aims are with it? Yes, well, I, I've always been a passionate of rallying and aerodynamics. And well, in a certain moment, I, I found out that many people were talking about aerodynamics of Formula One, aerodynamics of uh, resistance cars, other specialities, but nobody talked about aerodynamics in, in rallying. And I thought that it was worth enough to, to devote some, some efforts to try to to explain uh, how aerodynamics in a rally car are, are done and, and how engineers prepare the aerodynamics, because well, I think that uh, the more information you have about uh, any competition, the more you enjoy it. No? And I thought that I could I could uh, try to explain a little bit for for normal for average fan uh, some some principles behind this these aerodynamic parts of the cars. And then that was my contribution to people to, to enjoy a little bit more the, the, the running competition. No? I started by posting some images in, in a website. Then I started uh, adding some words. And from there, in late 2015, to, to the point we are today with very uh, developed aerodynamics in the last generation of cars. So, really enjoying that. It must have been um, quite quite fortuitous that the website began to, to take off just as the, the 2017 era cars came in. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the right moment. And <laughs> now I see it. <laughs> At that moment, I didn't know, but it was the right moment because I was uh, fortunate enough to track all the development carried out in 2016. And then the the, the first images of the new cars at the beginning of 2017 and from there all the development in the last five years which has been really really interesting and now we are dealing with a new generation with different features different characteristics but also very interesting also certainly no shortage of uh, bits to talk about over the last five six years in terms of advances and changes in aerodynamics and rallying for sure 
And speaking for myself, I must say it's, it's a really great website. It's been more than useful in preparing for a couple of episodes on this podcast. I'll, I'll say that much. And um, it's a great resource to, to rally fans, certainly from, from my point of view. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And just, just quickly to add to that, I think, I think your commitment to writing and, and uh, delivering content without resorting to, to sort of maths formulas is particularly, particularly <laughs> impressive, considering you know, the, the subject matter lends itself to maths and uh, and it's fantastically able to sort of you know convey the info without without going down that road too deeply <laughs> yeah, yeah we try to escape from any formula any equation because <laughs> the, the, the goal is to make it understandable for for an average fan so try to make it as simple as possible sometimes some purist aerodynamicists uh, complain about simplifications we have to do but they think it's a, a pay we pay uh, satisfactorily because our goal is to make it understandable not to be strictly precise and no. mm-hmm. uh, you've certainly achieved that because my knowledge of aerodynamics sort of begins and ends with how an aircraft gets off the ground and that a brick isn't aerodynamic at all so it's very accessible like I might say certainly well, it's not a bad uh, starting point eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's something I guess Yes. Um, so, Lewis, o- over to you, really. I mean, in, would you sort of talk to us about uh, your initial thoughts about uh, the, the initial development of those 2017 cars from an aerodynamic standpoint? Yes, I think that, that uh, the 2017 uh, WRC gen- car generation, uh, nobody can deny that it's probably the most uh, developed in terms of aerodynamics uh, rally car generation. No? You can think about uh, the old Group B cars, which were already very good, very well developed in terms of aerodynamics. But uh, don't forget that on that time they use wind tunnels sometimes, but the numerical techniques, numerical simulation techniques were still very poor. Also, in the introduction of WRC cars at the end of the 90s and beginning of the 20s, of the 2000s, sorry, uh, we had also very good uh, aerodynamic uh, developments. But again, the numerical simulation techniques were not as developed as we have now. And also, the, the degree of freedom that engineers had on that time was not as big as the degree of freedom that Federation uh, planned for 2017. No? So I think to, to, to summarize the, the, the two main characteristics of the 2017 generation is one, the high level of advance of the numerical uh, simulation techniques, what we all know of as CFD or computational fluid dynamics, and also the addition of new elements never seen before in rally cars sometimes in, in resistant cars, on DTM, but you never you, you have never seen before in a rally car, a rear diffuser, uh, dive planes at the front, uh, fender bends even. So these two characteristics, uh, I think that, that uh, can allow us to affirm that this was a, the most developed uh, generation of rally cars in terms of aerodynamics. Then, uh, at the end of this of this generation, uh, the federation uh, planned new set of regulations for 2022, and well, this this new set of regulations has brought that to to the cars that we have now. No? Behind these new regulations, 
there was a clear intention of reducing cost, and reducing cost meant uh, reducing cost during the engineering uh, stage, so less less time, less uh, resources devoted to, to design the new cars, and also less cost in terms of uh, replacing the, the aero parts that you can see in many stages uh, are broken and the cars miss them, so it's very expensive to replace them. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the amount of focus that was placed upon uh, let's say the dive planes uh, and things in the last generation, 27 to 2021, mm -hmm. uh, how much of a contributing factor overall were, were that, was that to the, to the overall performance of the cars? Well, it's difficult to, to say a percentage, but uh, I'll put it in another words. When you look at the 2017 uh, WRC cars, you, especially the, in, during the last year, you can see that there were a lot of uh, aero parts at the front of the car, as well as a big rear wing, big rear diffuser, combined with the exhaust blown, which we can talk later. But you could see that they were cars that were very well balanced in terms of aerodynamics, okay? Dive planes, uh, the winglets on top of the front fenders and also the end plates on the, front, on the dive planes, were very uh, critical to generate downforce at, at the front. So the main difference or the main role of these parts is that they contributed not only to generate downforce, but to make the car much more stable because you are, con you are balancing the front downforce with the rear downforce that the rear wing and the rear diffuser were able to, to generate, okay? Presumably but, that reduced understeer by, by quite a lot as well. For yes, 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 mm -hmm. yes. You, you, as soon as you get a similar amount of, of downforce, and maybe before we should uh, continue, we should talk about downforce, but as soon as you get the same or similar amount of downforce, the front wheels and the rear wheels, they both, the four wheels have similar traction, so the four wheels behave similarly. No, If you... Uh, make the car unbalanced and you put all the pressure or, or the downforce at the rear, you make that the, the front wheels uh, lose traction, so they become understeering. And on the contrary, if you put a lot of pressure or a lot of downforce at the front of the car, the rear wheels lose traction and then become oversteering. No? And at the end, this is what, when we talk about aerodynamics, we talk, we're talking normally about downforce. This is the way that uh, the, to get uh, the air from the airflow to get some force that pushes the car down to the to the road in order to get better traction so the wheels uh, work better they are able to 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 supply uh, better the energy from the engine and that's what we are looking uh, for when we talk about aerodynamics the only thing is that you have to get this downforce balanced uh, or you will you'll get oversteering or understeering, and also you don't have to significantly increase the air resistance of the car when you get this uh, extra downforce, okay? You, you, you could use a very huge uh, rear wing inside the, the measures of the regulations. You could use many other, many parts, but if they, these parts increase the, the air resistance, the drag, you are gaining downforce, but you're losing uh, top speed. So at the end, it's always a balance. No? I can add a little more drag, but I have to get 
a lot of downforce to compensate. No? So and there was anecdotes, you know, went around because with, the, with that generation of cars that there was actually so much downforce and grip being generated by the aerodynamics towards the end of that, the, the life of those regulations that in certain rallies, they were leading to such a disintegration of the road surface as well, because there was so much grip in places like Finland at speed. By the time mm -hmm. the WRC2 cars were coming along, there was such massive degradation of the surface because the cars had so much grip. They were being forced so heavily into the road that they're creating huge ruts mm -hmm. that were just never seen before because you could see the effect of it on, on nature, as it were. Yes. Yes, and not only this, but also you have to think on, on the tire wear because of the higher force they have to, to deal with. You have to think also in suspension settings. So aerodynamics has a lot of consequences over the car behavior and over the car uh, wear, no, or reliability. So reaching so high level of downforce was really nice in order to see the cars going so fast over the fast corners, but also had some consequences that have to be keep in mind also. You mentioned cost also, Lewis, you know, the very attritional nature of rallying itself and all these complicated, expensive you know, aerodynamic appendages, front wings, rear wings, splitters, defenders, you know, we've seen all these things being ripped apart and torn off on stages and pictures from the service park of stacks of damaged bodywork. Just how much were teams spending on this? Because obviously these are complicated materials, composites, but now they're more complicated again by the addition of the aerodynamic parts. So, you know, what were teams actually spending on all of this? Because it must have been a huge cost. It depends on the part, but there are some parts that cost several, several tens of euros. So losing them, several of them in during a rally, for the budget of the team is not <laughs> it's significant. Huh? Maybe the dive planes, which were smaller, maybe, maybe could cost uh, five, six thousand euros, but but the rear wing, rear diffuser, the front splitter, this this these parts are, are really expensive. So I can understand why the, the Federation with the new regulations tried to reduce these these costs. No? Absolutely. Could you give us an idea of which team you consider to have made the most use of the regulations in terms of aero uh, over the spread of 2017 to 2021? Uh, you know, because it, you know, it's clear to see from, from the naked eye that all the cars evolved, you know, came on in leaps and bounds from an aerodynamic point of view over the course of those five years. But from your professional opinion or your you know, studied opinion, which would you say which team made the most use of the, of the, of the freedom that they were given? Well, I think uh, in my, from my point of view, Toyota, mm. uh, from, the beginning, from the very beginning, uh, did the, the, or took more advantage of the freedom of the, of the regulations in 2017. And if you look at the whole period, you, you can see that after the end of the first year, they introduced some modifications at the front of the car. But from then, from then to the end of the period, they only had to introduce some very minor modifications, some addition in, at the front in 20, at the beginning of 2021. But during the whole period was the, the kind of stability, which means that the, the design of the car was good enough or very good. No? And if you look at the other teams, 
Hyundai did a very good job, but during the, the whole five years. Eh? So at the end, they had a very competitive car in terms of aerodynamics, very similar in terms of uh, performance to the Toyota and sometimes even better. Ford did a very uh, compact design, but they only had to do some very small uh, modifications during this five years period, but I think it was a little bit more conservative. Their main goal was to, to keep the car reliable, so not to lose many parts during the stages. And Citroën, Citroën did not introduce any significant aerial modifications. They keep working on several different packages, but they never introduced any of them. The last one in 2019 at the end was very nice, very complex, but they, they, they retired before having the chance to introduce it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I completely forgotten the, uh, the, the completely updated C3 WRC that we, we were teased with briefly, and then we never really got to see in Driven in Anger. We never got to see Driven in Anger, just the test. Um, and by all accounts, that seemed to make quite a big difference. You know, I mean, maybe it's one of these great what might have beens. <laughs> yes, they introduced a third dive plane, which uh, nobody had, had done it before and nobody did it. And some end plates, big end plates on the, uh, the rear wing was similar in design to the, the Toyota. So I had the chance to be in that test here in Catalonia and then they tested also in Finland and the package looked very nice, but fortunately <laughs> too late. <laughs> and there was another car we didn't get to see, but we did see a photo of it in recent weeks, fully liveried, um, 2017 Polo, which we did discuss on our first um, episode mm -hmm. uh, with one of the engineers who was involved in the program certainly a lot tamer if you could use such a word in the aerodynamic stakes or maybe yeah tame maybe it's the best way that i can describe it compared to what we saw from toyota right out of the gate a much more conservative approach probably a better way of putting it how much of a deficit do you think that car would have been now no doubt you know volkswagen we saw that team's success they would have quickly gotten to grips with it if the, if the program had continued it's quite a big difference between what we saw and the initial Yaris, what that Polo 2017 car would have been. They would have had a lot of catching up to do, I imagine. Yeah, I'm sure they would have extended quickly some jokers in that car because the, the design was really conservative. It's clear they, they came from a very dominant situation, so they were not the one who had to take too many risks. But I'm sure that uh, the lack of front, of front dive planes, for instance, it was one of the things that once they, the drivers would have started complaining about uh, understeering, they had quickly introduced them. Also, the fender vents, the, the, the ones that the car included were sim really simple, something like the initial fender vents of the Hyundai. And I'm sure during the, the next year, they would have introduced modifications at this level, at least. And I know... By, by their very nature, these things always work as a package, hence aerodynamic package. But would it be fair to say that the dive planes were the most significant aerodynamic, aerodynamic single addition from that period uh, in terms of overall performance? Together with the rear diffuser. Mm -hmm. oh, the, rear, diffuser yeah, yeah. the rear diffuser gives you a huge amount of downforce if you if you design it well and combine with the exhaust gas. If you remember, 
All cars except Hyundai uh, placed the exhaust gas on top of the rear diffuser and in a centered position. That means that they were able to get the energy from the exhaust gases to remove even more air from the rear diffuser. So making the rear diffuser more effective in removing air. And the more air you remove from under the car, the better, because you are reducing the pressure under the car. No? Would that be a blown diffuser? Exxon blown diffuser, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, similar concept like in Formula One. And it is, is it a similar concept with the uh, the vents above the front wing to sort of dis to, to sort of extricate the the air from underneath? You mean the front wing? Uh, sorry, the no. Wing? I mean, I mean the front fenders in in it. You know, the ones above the uh, the on the on the top of the wing themselves. The front, the the wing on top of the front fenders. Yes, yes, the winglets. Yes, well, the, the only thing is that they were so small that the amount of downforce they were able to generate was uh, not so significant. But as soon as drivers keep complaining about understeering, engineers had to, to look for other uh, for additional solutions. No? So they increased the size of the front fender bends. Toyota also uh, forced some air to, to flow upwards. They placed a deflector on top of the fender in order to to avoid mixing the two streams of, of air. Well, different solutions in order to get the car stuck, the front of the car stuck to the, to the road. I suppose it also says something that after five years, most of the teams began to coalesce around the sort of Toyota model, the idea that extreme aero was worth going for, was worth spending and investing in. And, and presumably, that wasn't decided upon back in 2017. There was still scope for perhaps this aero thing will be, yes, important, but not the deciding factor, which it clearly became because mm -hmm. Toyota was incredibly effective and visually the most extreme from an aerodynamic point of view. Yeah, yeah. The, the results were, were critical, were, were crucial, but also the thing is that the Toyota was the fastest car on the fastest events. This means the aerodynamic package was was really good, no? Because it's there when the, the aerodynamic package shows the difference, or no? makes the difference. If you are fast in Sardinia, okay, maybe you have a reliable car, but you don't need very well developed aerodynamics. But if you are fast in Finland, you are fast in Australia or in Sweden, it means that your aerodynamic package is good. <laughs> That's clear. So other teams. Especially Hyundai, Hyundai had a, a fast car on the medium and low speed uh, events, but on the fast events, uh, remember, they, they never won in Finland, uh, for instance. Uh, in Sweden, they, maybe they, Neville won once, but they had always problems. So the thing was to get to get a fast car in the fastest events. You're right. That Yaris never looked more at home than in Sweden and Finland, did it? I mean, mm -hmm. that first, first, that first victory straight out the box for Yari Matti in, yes. in 2017 really did uh -huh. point the way. <laughs> yeah, that's critical. Would so, you say the, you know, the, the Citroen again? We to go back to the C3. Mm -hmm. Would you say a lot of its struggles could be attributed to its aero design, or was it an well, an overall flawed package? I do know that the damper has got a lot of flack, but would you say? Had it had a better aerodynamic package, would we have seen a leap from the performance of that vehicle? It's, it's difficult to say. I think most of the problems 
because the number of jokers that they spend on came from the suspension side. And they, they spend a lot of, of jokers on that. And Matt Rosberg changed different things. Then arrived Sebastian Ogier and changed again different things. Uh, Chris Mix. So maybe the aerodynamic package was perfectible, surely. But the fact that nobody changed it probably confirms that the, the issues were, were on the other side. No? More Bigger fish to fry. So moving on to the the new cars or the current cars um mm. i've i've seen a, an fia figure of that they wanted to decrease aerodynamic performance by 15 percent i don't know whether that's the case whether that's ever been the case because you know what engineers are like i'm sure they'd have found mm. ways to negate that from the get-go but would you tell us a little bit more about the, the the core principles of the current cars from an aerodynamic point of view please yeah sure uh, well it's difficult to 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 concrete a figure, and for sure during the years the fig this figure will be reduced, but the impact on aerodynamics of the new regulations are, are significant, and maybe the results or the, the speed we are seeing in the in the stages of the events we have seen to date, uh, uh, there is a combined effect of a reduced aerodynamics and the, the extra power uh, supplied by the new the hybrid unit. So. When we talk about what these regulations uh, did about the aerodynamics of the rally cars, we have to think on two, on two, two parts. One part is that they, they decided to trim several parts. And I mean, those parts that made the, the 2017 uh, rally cars characteristic, like dive, dive planes, winglets on top of the front fenders, fender and plates, fender bends, all these parts that were designed specifically to generate downforce at the front has been forbidden, has been trimmed. And if you look at the three cars, they look really very similar at the front. They keep the front splitter, which is still usual, but all the other parts have been forbidden. So clearly these, these new regulations are going to bring less uh, downforce at the front, more understeering. And also the other piece, which was characteristic, the rear diffuser has been also trimmed. So in all cases, engineers had to think about uh, alternative solutions. We will cover them later. And the other big thing was the introduction of the hybrid unit, which you may think, okay, this affects the power, but not. This has a lot of uh, aerodynamic implications because, okay, you have extra power, but to generate this extra power, you generate heat. You have to remove the heat. You have to add weight to the car because of the unit, because of the radiators. You are changing the weight distribution of the car. So a lot of implications on the aerodynamics. We will go one by one, but for the engineers, I think this has been the major headache during the last year during the design, not only the performance or the working procedure of the hybrid unit, but also all the implications involved in the introduction of this unit. It's certainly the one we can see evolving probably most obviously before our eyes is the challenge that the cooling has presented and what they're trying to do to, to offset issues in different events and to trial and error being seen exactly before our eyes. Yes, well, taking into account that they received the, the hybrid unit, if I'm not wrong, uh, end of March last year, uh, Ford started the first test with the hybrid unit, 
but during the year, the number of tests was not very high. And especially on very high and very hot conditions, there was not a lot of tests. I think the teams were more worried about the, the, the procedure of operating the hybrid unit rather than uh, testing uh, the, the performance at the worst conditions. No? So we they arrived to Monte Carlo this year with a unit that probably was not uh, uh, awaited sufficiently in, in such uh, bad conditions. And the thing is that uh, engineers took a, some conservative decision that incorporating some uh, side scoops in order to force air to enter into the car. This is well, uh, this is an alternative. If you look at the previous generation of uh, rallycross supercars, you will see that all of them have, uh, most of them has rear cooling also, and they don't have scoops. They have some side uh, inlets, which are not prominent. And some of them, like the Audi, for instance, have also inlets on, on the on the roof. Okay, so, but in, in the WRC, the Rally One Cars uh, engineers all decided to include the scoops, okay? In, introducing the scoop has a lot of implications in the aerodynamics because depending on whether you, on you uh, locate the scoop, you will receive more or less air. So it's, it may affect your cooling performance, but also you will, uh, adding extra surface of the car is means you are adding more resistance to the air because you are you have increased the surface of the car and also you have modified the shape of the car so at the end the the, the aerodynamic drag coefficient of the car i'm sure that has increased with these scoops this means additional drag no not only because of the air but also because of the of the shape and also depending on whether you you locate the the scoop you may affect the efficiency of the rear wing because you are adding an obstacle into an airflow which normally goes to the sides of the rear wings. And if we can see, for instance, in, in the Puma or in the Hyundai 20N, they have uh, small wings on both sides of the wing, which are designed specifically to take advantage of the airflow, of the air flowing on both sides of the car. So if you place a scoop on that position, you may be affecting the, the rear wing efficiency. No? So this is a big implication of the, of the scoops. And also another implication is that you need fresh air into the scoop and fresh air into, into clean air into the rear wing, but you have to put uh, uh, side mirrors by regulation. That's why engineers, and Toyota is, is the clear example, during last year, the Toyota did not uh, use any side wing during the test. And it was only in mid-January that they introduced these wing mirrors, they call it, that are really separated from the, from the body of the car, okay? And this is designed in order not to introduce an obstacle on the current of air flowing to the, to the side screw. No? So, in order to cool down a radiator at the rear of the car, look at how many things you have to change and what are the implications. Right? I mean, it's, it's so fascinating for many, many reasons, but also for the fact that, as you've mentioned earlier, some teams have been far more conservative than others. And they've all been quite conservative, presumably, because it's a learning exercise. Mm -hmm. and, and we're used to, certainly I'm used to, to seeing 
you know, uh, top tier motorsport where the engineers have everything worked out from the very beginning and 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 the, 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 the data is there for them to work with. And so there's no there's no fact finding for that, that can be seen in front of your eyes, whereas because testing is limited and because budgets are so limited, we are, as Killian said, watching this stuff evolve before our very eyes. You know, the, the cooling scoops are getting smaller. As, as your wonderful website made clear, presumably as the teams are uh, are playing with the amount of heat, the hybrid, uh, sorry, the amount of cooling air, cooling air, the, the hybrid unit needs in actuality, mm. which I find fascinating. Yeah, th this year, the problem is that the, the testing days are very limited and, and are limited to the, to the place where the event is going to take place uh, some weeks before. No? So now... They can test in, in they tested in Sardinia because uh, Rally Sardinia, and then there they found uh, very hot conditions, and probably they will test before Safari Rally in in Portugal or in Sardinia again, and again they will find some some hot conditions. But before preparing Monte Carlo, preparing Sweden, preparing Croatia, there was no uh, opportunity to to test the the system under these conditions. So. Probably the, the solution was to start with a conservative design, ensure that the hybrid unit works at the right uh, temperatures, because don't forget that if the hybrid unit uh, reaches uh, uh, excess temperature, it stops working. So the driver loses the extra power. So you have to ensure that the hybrid unit uh, works. And then before summer or during summer, you can use one joker to, to improve it. But the test that we are seeing seems to go in the sense that the, the system is, is really conservative, so they, they, they can reduce the, amount, the size of the school. No? The question before could be would have been that there was not enough fresh air, no? and then we would have seen bigger scoops. But it seems it's not the case, but because we have seen in, in Sardinia that Toyota was able to block almost completely the side scoop. So, whether they have another cooling system inside that we don't know, or their system is so efficient that with such a small amount of air is able to keep the working temperatures uh, steadily. No? I was worried in the lead up to Sardinia that with, with all this talk of the heat wave and the high temperatures that we would see you know, these issues really come to the fore. But in fairness, we didn't really see much issues at hybrid in Sardinia whatsoever, and particularly, as you say, that Toyota have sort of locked up so much. I was kind of, you know, wrinkling my forehead going, oh, this, this could be a, a bad move here with this, this 40 degree plus heat, but here we go. It seems to be, be working, or unless, as you say, there's something we can't see, um, which is always likely on some level, but you know, oh, there you go. Toyota in hidden, hidden pieces. Oh, well, you, you said it, not me. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening, Toyota, no accusations, just, yeah. Yeah, and also there was the, the issue with the extra heat uh, in, inside the car with uh, because of the presence of the exhaust pipe on one side of the car, no? Well, it, it was really a, a good test for these kind of things, uh, except Craig Green. Nobody else complained about hybrid unit issues. And, well... Drivers complain about high temperatures inside the car, but I think that not very differently from other years. No? Moving to the rear of the car, presumably the uh, the lack of aerodynamic freedom at the front has placed even more importance on what's left of the diffuser. 
it, it, have we seen you know teams spending more time and resources on the development of that to sort of extract more performance from it? Yes, uh, you have to compensate for the lack of the rear diffuser because you need to remove the air from under the car. And there has been two philosophies during this, this design period. One is Toyota. Toyota, what has done is to increase the rate of the, the car. Regulations allow a, a rate of eight degrees. So uh, what you do is to uh, elevate the rear of the car and, and reduce the right height at the front. This means that you are uh, reducing the amount of air that is able to enter under the car at the front, but at the rear, the air lose some speed. So the effect is, is more uh, pronounced at the front of the car. And the other philosophy, which I think also is very interesting, is the design of the rear of the Hyundai i20. If you look, when well, we have talked about the, the implication of the Hybrid, uh, the cooling system of the hybrid unit, but there, there was also one advantage that you, you get air that you have to remove from the car. You get some fans attached to the rear radiator. So you can use get use of this, of this force, this energy, okay? And Hyundai has done it very well because they have placed now the exhaust at the center of the rear bumper in opposition to what they have done in the previous generation. And they have placed the two uh, bends of the air coming from the cooling system on both sides of the exhaust. So what they do is a very homogeneous distribution of air uh, uh, exiting from the rear bumper, which helps to remove a little bit the air coming from, down, from below the car. Okay, so it's, it's not an exhaust blown diffuser, but it's set certain, we can talk about blown diffuser, homogeneous blown diffuser, no? You don't have so much energy as you have in the exhaust blown, in the exhaust pipe, but okay, you still have energy from, from the radiator fans and from the, in the center, from the exhaust gas. No? So this is a very interesting design. Toyota, instead of that, what has done is to put the, the, two, the two fans on top of the rear bumper, instead of in the center of the rear bumper, the exits are on top of the rear bumper. But what Toyota has is that they have found a solution to, to an alternative to the rear fender beds, okay? In these cars, you, you, you have the problem that you, you don't have rear fender beds. So you, you have the problem of removing the air from the wheel space, which is causing high pressure, especially because most of the vents they are using the, the pipe, the cooling, the bright system, the cooling system pipes, the corrugated pipes, pipes that are adding air to the wheel space. So you need to remove this air. Most of the cars, what they have done is to remove the, the side part of the fender. So you can see that the, the, the border of the fender is very thin, while before there was thick. So that you are leaving a space to, for air to, remove, to be removed by this part. But Toyota has placed uh, some orifice and inside the rear uh, wheel space. And this orifice connects to a pipe that appears on both sides of the uh, fans located uh, above the, the rear bumper. Regulation only says that any orifice you do 
you don't have to be able to see the, the wheel through these orifices. And if you look through the orifices of the Toyota, you are not able to, to, to see the wheel, so they fulfill the regulations. But it's a smart solution because connecting this pipe from the rear wheel space to the rear radiator and the fan, you are extracting somehow air from the rear wheel, okay? So different alternatives, different philosophies, but everybody's trying desperately to, to get air from under the car. Fascinating, because we're so early on. I assume over the next course of the next few years, we'll see a consensus of opinion start to form between the teams as to which is the best way to go about it. You know, and presumably we'll see the first year is when we'll see most divergence between the different aerodynamic philosophies of the three cars. Yes, well, uh, don't forget that any time a, a team homologates a part, all the teams know about it. So it's not secret information once you homologate it. But yes, uh, don't, no doubt that the one that it, it works better, it will be the one that will be copied, no? Or uh, try to at least try to get the, the philosophy, no? That's for sure. <laughs> and as you said, what are we, five rallies into this new regulations now? And already there's such an obvious difference to, as the cars are unloaded at each event. Because, oh, that's that's new. That's new already. Mm -hmm. and, and what's a car that isn't very dramatic now compared to its predecessor? So you can actually nearly pick out these changes that little bit easier. Um, as well, which makes it more interesting to the, to, to the more casual observer. I, I would be harder pressed to spot differences between events on the last generation cars. Yeah. I think it's certainly a little more obvious. Even like there's, there's the simple thing like, oh that, oh, that mirror wasn't there before. Oh, that's a different <laughs> shape mirror. You know, it's, uh, and, and there's not as much else going on to get it lost in the background. Um, you know, so we'll see what the rest of the year will bring because we have plenty more rallies to go. Yes, the thing that some parts like the, the side mirrors or the wing mirrors do not need to, 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 to homologate, to be homologated. No? So you can uh, easily change between events and improve and modify it. Other modifications already require um, uh, to be homologated and that's why they, they are not introduced so, so, so often. But I'm sure that before Estonia and Finland events, which are the, some of the fastest events of the years. If teams are planning to do some significant modifications and these modifications have, has been tested enough, I think that, that will be the moment to, to introduce them. Probably they can homologate them before first of uh, July 1st and then use it in this, from these two events. That is where you can take more advantage of a, of a new package. So, it makes no sense to introduce it before Sardinia or Portugal, but there is, is, is the right moment. No? After that, okay, you have uh, Greece, you have Spain, you have Japan and uh, New Zealand, but for probably the, most of the changes will be uh, delayed for the next season. No? All the changes that are not introduced before Estonia and Finland, unless there is something very crucial. Do you have any predictions as to how the teams will set about trying to evolve the, the aerodynamic devices they have over the next few years? Well, one thing is the, the side scoops. I'm sure that we will see maybe at the end Toyota will remove completely or will introduce a small design. Uh, Hyundai, I don't think... The, the design of the Hyundai side scoop is very... 
very discrete in the sense that the, the disturbance on the airflow is, is, is small. And maybe uh, M-Sport will also do some modifications because they have been testing different uh, alternatives. I think I remember the Portugal pre-event test, they tried uh, blocking totally the, the side scoop and the, the lower scoop. So probably they are also working on that. And the other field, which I would expect to see some modifications is at the front. I'm sure that, that the, it's very limited because of the new regulation, but as soon as, as understeering uh, becomes uh, critical, teams will start looking for, for some solution over there. No? And the, otherwise, what we have is cars that are not really well balanced. We have a, a very big a rear wing, we have some alternative solutions for the rear diffuser. Okay, they don't perform so well as the rear diffuser, but still. But at the front, we only have the front splitter mainly. And, and the, the additional uh, downforce that the, the front fender design can generate, but I think it's not, it's not enough. So probably the, the, we, will, we will see some modifications there. And you, you, you will see Surely in Finland, in, in the long jumps in the stages of Finland, that these cars with so much uh, downforce at the rear, also a modified weight distribution. When you have now more weight at the rear, you will see most of the cars nosing up in the long jumps. I think this is what I expect to see. Yeah, because there is nothing creating when, when you when you, your car is flying on a jump. The, the under car is not working, okay? But the, the, the elements on top of the car keep working, no? So the rear wing is working, the air is forcing, is generating downforce at the rear, but if you don't have anything at the front or very small parts, then the car gets unbalanced. So it will be for the for the ability of the drivers to, to brake at, at the appropriate uh, force in order to keep the cars balanced during the jump, but probably we'll see some some unbalanced jumps and presumably this is all that this is lent added importance to the front splitter as you as you mentioned how how carefully worded are the the FIA's description of what you're allowed to do to that front splitter I'm sure it's very carefully written so the teams can't just turn it into effectively what they had before <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the FIA Federation doesn't doesn't supply too much information. So you, you have the rules, and and sometimes you, well, for instance, in the rules you you are not able to find the maximum uh, width the rear wing can have. So information so so basic that in Formula One, for instance, we know that you know the regulations that entered this year, one year before in Formula One were known. In rallying, it's not the same. We still don't know which is the, the maximum width of a rear wing. You know the maximum width of the of the car. That's all they, they publish. So they are not very, very transparent on this side. And this is a pity also about the, 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 the homologation parts of the cars. We are in, in June and still they have not published any list of the homologated parts by any team. Maybe the list is, is short because it's only five or six months, but it's something that, that in other in 
In other uh, specialties, you, you, you see very often, no? and in rallying, it's a, it's a problem. They're not, for me, they are not transparent enough, so they are not releasing enough information for people to enjoy competition as, as they could. No? It's funny, as you say, because generally speaking, like you pointed out in F1, this is so readily available to, to anyone with a quick Google search. Um, yeah, and it's the same federation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, it's you know, if it was a different federation, you could say, okay, I, I get that. But to be so clear and transparent and ahead of time and upfront with one, and then in another top flight motorsport category to be so almost deliberately vague and staying mm-hmm. in the shadows... Yes, I, I could understand in the previous generation because the cars were based on, on, on road cars and I, I understand that uh, the big companies want to keep their secrets uh, secret. No? But now that we have uh, cars based on tubular ch- chassis and these kind of things, well, why not? Why don't you explain and give all the, the information so that people can, can, can judge and can, can enjoy it? experience a lot better no? it will be fascinating to see how how each of the teams sort of sets about recovering as much of this lost performance as possible um and and would it be fair to see say that we'll see the fronts of the cars becoming slightly more complex as the years go by obviously not as complex as they were at all mm-hmm. last year but presumably things will change from a frontal perspective yeah, we will see because if if you if you follow the, the test during last year, some teams already introduced some some modifications. I remember, for instance, uh, M Sport, the front of the Puma, they introduced some small fences on both sides, like the previous generation cars had, and at the end they have been removed because the Federation said no, we don't want. Uh, sophisticated parts at the front, sophisticated uh, fans, no? but we will see. I'm sure engineers will find a way. <laughs> they always do. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, where do you think we're going to see the biggest evolution for the rest of the year? Will it will it be something like the front, or is there you know with the, with the deliberate vagueness of the FIA and and not leaving much room for maneuver in that area? Is there is there some other part of the car that you think the teams can exploit further that, that hasn't yet been exploited? Well, no. I think that the front will take more than this year to, 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 to get better development. The side scoops, are, as we already mentioned, and, well, maybe we could, see, we could see some modifications at the rear, but for the moment, I think, I think they are performing uh, well, so... I think it's, it's, it's five, five rallies in, Lewis, so we're going to have to revisit this when we've seen some more changes to, <laughs> to recap again, maybe at the end of the season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and for sure, engineers will surprise us. No? But, is, is there anything that you, in particular, from, from a, a, an aerodynamic standpoint, that you're looking forward to seeing how, it, how things play out, any particular element? Well... For instance, there was an element that was used in the in the previous generation, which were the wheel diffusers. As the same that we have a rear diffuser at the rear of the car. Some cars like the Hyundai or the Toyota used uh, wheel diffusers, which is a small diffuser ahead of the rear wheel uh, rear wheels. So you uh, reduce the the drag because all okay you you can 
you generate some, some more damp force because it's a, a small diffusion, but also you reduce the drag because the air impacting over the rear wheel, the impact is different than if you, if you don't have the, the, real, the wheel diffusion. No? This is something that Toyota and Hyundai used in the previous generation car, and now only M Sport is using this, this wheel yeah. diffuser, which I expect all cars to, to continue using it. And no, it's only M Sport who is using now. Also, some wheel deflectors. Uh, for instance, uh, Citroën used uh, wheel deflectors at the front and at the rear of the cars, also to reduce the drag because. You, if you avoid the airflow to impact over the uh, rotating wheel, the, the drag is smaller. And well, it was uh, MS Sport also using that on the Fiesta and, and Citroën. But as far as I know, none of the current cars are using this, these small elements. And well, probably the, the solution of, the, of Toyota removing air from the rear wheels it's, it's something that other teams uh, might consider, maybe not Hyundai, but possibly uh, M Sport, because it's a smart solution. You see, at the moment, small details, because regulations are, are so restrictive that difficult to say to go further. I suppose it's also about teams working out their, their, their favorite relationship between peak downforce and aerodynamic drag. As well, because these all the all the things are, are are basically settling a point the 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 point path of least resistance. You know, you're always going to suffer from one by paying Peter, robbing Peter to pay Paul, as it were. Yeah, and if you remember in in Sweden, one of the fastest stages in Sweden, we we saw that that the Hyundai was able to to achieve uh, top speeds uh, around ten kilometers per hour faster than the other two teams. Okay, there are many factors involved in this, uh, the transmission, the gear rate transmission, but also the drag affects this. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident that one of the reasons why Toyota is, is working on removing the scoop is in order to reduce drag. No? It's not normal that they, they get such high difference in top speed. And if they can solve this before Estonia and Finland, I think they, they will get some, some seconds at the end of the event. I mean, it's not hard. The scoops that you say, it's not yes. hard to envision the the amount of drag that they would cause. I mean, by their very nature, their, their very purpose of cooling, they need to funnel air and scoop air in. But that's mm -hmm. not ideal from a, a frontal, you know, drag point of view, is it? <laughs> it's always a balance. You have to make the balance and see what you get and what you lose and try to, to, to improve the balance. No? There's always a compromise. Yes, compromise. Uh -huh. Also, there are another point which is interesting to mention from the current generation. They still have not used it, but I'm confident that they, they will use it. And is the, the lamp, lamp uh, pot of the Hyundai i20. If you remember during the Rally Monte Carlo pre-event test, they used this, these lamps and they are integrated inside the body. They are not look, placed on top of the, of the, of the bonnet which is also an, an aerodynamic improve because placing the lamp outside on top of the bonnet uh, is an obstacle for the air flowing over the bonnet. And well, probably the, the system is not optimized enough, but I'm confident that at the end they will use it. And this is also a, a nice modification 
it's a pity because we all love the old Lampot of the porches and the Lancia Stratos in the in the 70s and the 60s, no? But aerodynamics uh, claim for, for reduction of drag at that area also, no? So this is an innovation that Hyundai has introduced and I'm, I'm confident that they will succeed at the end with it. Make lamp pods on aerodynamic again. I've got a, I've got a yes. thing for a, a yeah. massive, ugly lamp pod that's, that does more. <laughs> yeah, again, it's a compromise. <laughs> but this is something else that, that it's worth to, to point out. No? I'd forgotten about that, actually, yeah. Until you raised it. Would you say it's um, it's only a matter of time then before the other teams take a, a leaf out of Hyundai's book and, and try to sort of go down that path as well? well I'm sure that they will they will try. Maybe yeah. that they, at the end they will not introduce it because okay, it needs to significant modifications in the body of the car. No, probably it's not easy. It's, it's like modifying the exhaust at the rear. I'm sure that if Hyundai did not modify it. One of the reasons was that it's not easy to modify the exhaust uh, system. No, you're changing pressures, you're changing flows. It's at the front. Maybe depends on the on the distribution of the parts at the front of the car. But introducing the lamp pot there, well, it's, it hasn't has to be easy. But if it works, why not? Fair point. It's going to be fascinating to see how things unfold. Yes. Yes. And on that note, I think it's fair to say that you've certainly left us with a lot to look forward to in what potential evolutions are on this. And we'll definitely have to pencil in a return chat, Lewis, to, 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 to discuss the changes and evolutions between maybe by the end of the year. And that's, that, that might be a good place to leave us for now so we can leave plenty to, to tease out between now and then. We need to get him back to talk about Group A Aero as well in comparison to two litre Aero, two litre oh, yes. WRC Aero. <laughs> yes, well, it's interesting times ahead, so I'm sure we will enjoy it and we will see very nice things. Thank you very much for your time, Lewis. And everyone make, must make that you need to make sure you check out the WRC Wings website. It's really fantastic. You can lose many, many hours going through that yes can testify that we and we'll put the link to wrc wings in the the show description as well for everyone to follow and we will have it on the the relevant social media posts also mm -hmm. so certainly worth your your time to give that side a visit guys excellent thank you very much and uh, it's been very nice to talk with you and anytime you know i'm open to to come back again <laughs> That's Super. fantastic. Definitely given me an education tonight anyway. So excellent. That's that's the goal. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Lewis. And we'll certainly have you back on again soon. Thank you okay. to you. My pleasure.